This is True Crime Exposed, and I'm your host, Kayla Waters. Thanks for joining my co-host, Alicia Jenkins, each week as I dive into a new case with you. By creating this show, we're able to give victims a voice back when they no longer have one. And by doing that, we can expose the monsters lurking all around us. Welcome to episode 105. Today we are going to be talking about a cult I had never heard of. When you hear the word cult, you probably think of something dangerous, something sketchy, some type of religious group that may be harmful to their followers. And this one is one of the worst cults I have ever heard of. There are some infamous cults that we are obsessed with as a society because they truly are outrageous and it boggles our mind. But this, I did not expect what I found when I dove into this case, the Ant Hill Kids. With that, are you ready for today's case? I'm curious to see if you have heard of this cult that we're going to be talking about today because I was like blown away at it and that I had never heard of it. But it is out of Canada, so I don't know if that's why I haven't heard of it here. It just doesn't seem like one of those super infamous cults like you always hear of. This cult, this leader was like savage, terrible, and I had never heard anything about it. Cults kind of, I I forget the name of the cult we talked about a while ago. They kind of crack me up a little bit, even though I know they're horrific. And I hope that by now people realize that we might laugh a little bit when we're uncomfortable with what's being talked about. So when I laugh a lot through this, I don't actually think it's funny. I'm laughing because it's like so horrible. My mind cannot comprehend how people are like this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I know I get like super smiley and like kind of giggly when I'm like (laughs) uncomfortable or uh, like and I do that at work a lot like in the hospital. Oh you do? Yeah and like one time in Idaho Falls I had um, one parent like complained about me. We were taking care of her babies in the NICU and said because she said I smiled too much. Oh my gosh. You're like, I'm not meaning to. I'm just very uncomfortable. This is how some people cope. I mean, I just smile. Like, even when, like, I think I probably even do it when I'm, like, passing on bad news or something, but I don't mean to. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I'm not like, oh, your baby is doing really bad and, like, smile. But it's like, yeah, when it kind of gets uncomfortable, you kind of, I kind of, like, (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I must get that from you because I notice I do it a lot. Sometimes when I like listen back and I'm editing, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that sounds right for me to laugh right there, but it's an uncomfortable laugh. <laughs> so I inherited that Genetics. gene, I guess. Yes. And then the other thing with this, because it is out of Canada, this cold, they speak both English and French there. So mm-hmm. I will likely pronounce many words wrong. I'm just going to say it from the beginning. First of all, I failed French in college, so you can't expect much out of me. <laughs> That's a I class can't even that I believe you took French. You didn't <laughs> even take it in high school. No, I didn't take it in high school. So why would you take it in college? I don't know. I took French online in college, and that's one of the classes I failed because it was super hard. So oh, my gosh. You Cassie's can't expect in it, much. So we could have Cassie, like, tell us how to say the words. <laughs> yeah. I did look up a lot of the pronunciation, but we will see how well I do. I'm just saying I'll likely not do, like, the greatest. So that's just how it will be. So first, we'll just start by talking about the leader of this cult, kind of where he came from, so we can get an idea of how this all started. So this is Roche Terrio. It is pronounced in English rock, and he eventually ends up having everyone call him rock because he changes his name a few times, as you'll see as we go through this. So I'm just going to call him rock from the beginning so that it's the same person throughout the whole thing. But he It's pronounced, I'm pretty sure, Roche and then Terrio. So he was born on May 16th, 1947 in Quebec. And his parents are Jacinthe and Pierrette Terrio. He is the second of seven children and the oldest boy. At age six, his family moved to the community of the Thetford Mines in eastern townships. And again, this is in Canada. And then he, this town's local school only went up to seventh grade, and then none of the Terrio children went any further than that. As a child, he was described as bright and outgoing, and he seemed to enjoy learning. Rock later describes his father as abusive through his childhood, but Yacint denies ever have been any of his children. Yacint was a laborer, devoutly religious, and a member of the Union of Electors, also known as the Wire Barrettes. And this is known as a Catholic fascist offshoot of the Depression era movement. And so between this and Catholic Mass, because his parents were Catholic, Rock developed this hatred for Catholicism and organized religion, which is ironic because he creates this cult which is far worse than any organized religion so is catholicism called catholicism is it probably <laughs> <laughs> there i am with the pronunciation of words wrong i just read them as they are <laughs> i don't know i was just i actually I, think it probably is yeah yeah it probably is that So as Rock grew older, he learned that complaining about his childhood was a great way to gain sympathy because he craved this attention. So that goes back probably to him claiming that his father was abusive and his father being like, yeah, no, I was not because he 
found out this was a way to gain like empathy attention. and have attention. And I have literally witnessed people do this in real life when I was in high school. I could pick out a few people who I like knowingly know have lied about their parents. And yeah. so if I can pick out just a I few do too. people. Yeah. <laughs> who? Me? Oh my gosh. I am not. <laughs> I was not a part of that. <laughs> I would never <laughs> making up deliberate lies about your parents. That's just odd. So, but you know, there are s- some people you're annoying. That is odd. <laughs> I did not do that. Hmm. Obviously we have like a inside a story to that. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do that, but people I know would. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. You know who you are. Yeah, you do know who you are. Anyway, now I have to try to stop laughing to continue. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. You like he made up lies. Oh yeah, about his parents. So- On November 11th, 1967, Rock marries Francine Greiner, and this is a girl from the next town over. They move to Montreal together, and over the course of three years, they have two sons, Roche Jr. and Francois. And I say Roche Jr. because I'm pretty sure that's how they pronounced it, and I don't think he changes his name four million times, so... I'll say his is Roche. I, I like Francois. Francois. Though. I know. I had to look up that. <laughs> I'm. There's so many that I'm like, okay, I know this is pronounced not Francois. <laughs> That's how it's spelled. <laughs> like, I know it's not that. So, but I don't know exactly how they're all said. But yes, Francois. So, Rock, he developed ulcers, which were excised surgically, and then he also developed complications from this surgery. I don't know if he actually did or, again, if he was, like, looking for attention. He says that this gave him discomfort, and he was always having problems with his digestive system, and his wife noticed that he would become really irritable after this surgery. I mean, that must have been a long time ago because I haven't heard of them like surgically removing uh, ulcers. Was that ever a thing? Do you know? Or did he literally make it up? <laughs> I have no idea, but I don't think it's a thing of now. Yeah. Which I'm sure, what is this, 1967? I mean, geez, when was the lobo- lobotomy being done here? That was being done, like, I feel like in the 70s and 80s. So crazy things were being done back mm. then. Not too long True. ago. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyway, after this, Rock becomes obsessed with medicine and he starts teaching himself about anatomy. And then he moves his family back to Thetford Mines and he joins like politics. He joins the French analog to the Shriners, which is used as he used this as his personal platform. They say for a parody of Catholicism. That's how you say it, right? So... All the members of it are Catholic, but he was kind of using it to make fun of them. I I don't know. It was explained kind of weird. But around this time when he starts getting all these new interests and he's getting into politics, he also gains a new interest in sex and sexuality, 
which obviously his wife and his wife's family did not love. They were like not cool with that new interest, (laughs) as I also would not be. So then he also starts to drink alcohol really heavily. And then he was using his amateur wood sculpting skills to make money. And he wasn't actually really making very much money. He was using it more of an excuse to go out of Thetford Mines to Quebec City. And he'd go on the weekends telling his wife he was going to sell these wood sculptures. But he was really just going to meet women there and have affairs. So... Because he's not actually selling these wood sculptures and he's spending all his money going out of town every weekend, his finances are suffering and a local credit union repossesses his home. With that, Francine leaves him and she's like, I'm done with your affairs, with you making no money. This is getting kind of weird. Yeah. She's like, I'm out of here. And that was the smartest thing she could have ever done. Rock ends up taking up with one of the women he was having an affair with, and this is Giselle. Around this time, he also discovers the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I know really like nothing about this church, but they say that he got really into this church, and then his cult, he kind of ends up branching off of their beliefs and then creates Hmm. this cult from there. I just watched a Netflix show um, on like, have you seen it? The Blue Zones. I haven't. How to live to a, to a hundred years old or past a hundred, like a centurion. Really? No. But they, but one of the groups, they talked about different areas around the United States, like, or not the United States, around the world about like had little spots where there's people that are living a long time. And one of them was in Loma Linda, California, in the Seventh-day Adventist community. Weird. So, yeah, they're just, like, really healthy. Um, like, they, I don't think they eat meat. I think they're vegans. Oh, okay. What's this show called? It's called Blue Zones on Netflix. I'm going to have to watch that. That sounds It's crazy. really interesting because, like, you're, like, You just see like what, how other, like the people that live a long time, I mean, it comes down, like he groups it, it comes down, you know, like their physical activity, what they eat, their spirituality, like their social, like if they have friends or not. But yeah, the Seventh Day Adventists, like they eat really healthy. They have like a really strong community. Like they play like racquetball or pickleball or tennis or whatever together. They're always like doing water aerobics. And then oh, okay. they, like, wor- worship together, you know, like, oh, some of the people that are really old are, like, were, are in the choir or whatever. Okay. So, I didn't know much about their religion either. I still don't really, that, like. you learned a little. I mean, you learned some. Yeah, you don't learn, like, what their beliefs are or anything. But, I mean, they don't seem weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that, like, they, like, their group is off I think just he is because he ends up getting kicked out of it (laughs) they're like so they're probably normal like you saw he is not normal (laughs) (laughs) so as he joined this group this group was ministered by 
a man named Pierre Zita, and they met in a local motel room every Saturday, and this is when Rock becomes a devout follower of this church. He stops drinking, and he has like a lot of excitement for the church. But as he grow as he grows more enthusiastic about the church, it makes the other members a little uneasy because he becomes really boastful. He's kind of irritating. And then he also started to really focus on the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, there it's detailed this strict code of masculine authority. And Rock was really obsessed with like this, a man having like the authority over the woman. And then he also became obsessed with the apocalypse, so the world ending, and its message of violent retribution of sin in the end times. So these are the two things he becomes really focused on, which like probably neither of those are like the best to be focused on. Not necessarily the apocalypse, but the fact that he's focused on the apocalypse specifically with the message of violent retribution for sin. Oh my he's gosh. Clearly why, showing why some do red flags. These cults get so weird with religion. They get so weird. Like this literally while I was reading about this blew my mind while I was going through it because I'm like, how? And how do people follow you? Yeah, and join and stay. Like, I don't think I could get one person to follow me in a religion I, like, made up, even if I was nice to them. (laughs) (laughs) But these people are, like, super rude, and they still follow. It's so weird. I don't know. To make money, Rock starts selling Adventist literature door-to-door, And he's able to really be successful at this. Again, cult leaders oftentimes are very charming. They like have a way with words. So it doesn't surprise me that he was good at this door-to-door selling. And with that, Pierre Zita gave him workshops to run, which Rock would run and he would talk about how to quit smoking. And this is a traditional gateway for Adventist evangelism. So, like, he could work his way up. He could be a priest. I think he could maybe make money doing that and, like, running those workshops. So, he really dove himself into it and he was excelling. So, by 1977, he now has quite a few, like, little groupies, little followers following him around. And this is kind of, in 1977 is when they say that this cult, which is called the Ant Hill Kids, mm. is started. Oh my gosh. So he's like 30 years old around this time. He was born in 47. Yes. And most of the people who are following him actually range in age. Like at this time in 1977 from 18 years old to 24 years old. And they're mostly women, of course. So it's young people. He's older. It's very predatory. So some of his followers at this time, and they are some that some of these people will follow him through the whole thing. Solange Boylard, Chantel Labrie, Francine Laflamme, which this is different than Francine, his wife who left him. This is now a new Francine. Nicole Rule, Josie Pelletier, 
Jacques Fissette, Claude Olette, Jacques Giguerre, and his wife, Maurice Greiner, and their six-month-old baby girl. So there's two Jacques. One is coming in with his wife, Maurice, and their baby already, and then Jacques Fissette. And I'm pretty sure only three of those people are males. Jacques, Jacques, and Claude are the males, I believe, from what I gathered. So again, like I said, all of these people are really young. And when they first start following him, I don't think they're necessarily following him like a church leader, per se, but they've all become really good friends. He's still dating that girl, Giselle, one of the women he was having the affair with. And so they all hang out at Giselle's apartment together. Most of the girls are still living with their parents at this time. So like on the weekends, they would all crash at Giselle's house together. And then slowly, Rock starts encouraging them to kind of separate from their lives and their families. He encourages them to drop out of college because Christ was coming back to the earth soon. And they start to follow him now more as a religious leader. And Giselle, she would get jealous about the attention that the girls gave Rock. But since he had an interest in becoming a priest, she convinced herself that she was just being absurd at first. So it's clear she didn't want to end up sharing her boyfriend with all these other women. (laughs) But she definitely does in the end, clearly. So the at this time, the actual Adventist ministers, they're very worried about these youth and they don't want these young people following Rock because they think that they're personally attracted to him more than they were to his like teachings of the church. Okay. So in 1977, Rock and his followers attend an Adventist retreat, which is on Lake Roseau in the woods of Muskoka, Ontario. This is where he meets Gabrielle Lavelle. She's from Quebec. And then her friend Yolanda Gwinnenbert is from France. So these two girls join the group. Rock, while he was here at this retreat, he loved the scenery. He went hiking alone. And he claimed that he had a vision where the sky lit up with white radiance. And the voice of God told him that Rock was about to kneel in a holy place there in the woods. He now starts to view himself as a leader, a prophet type. And he has eight live-in followers when he moves them from Thetford Mines to St. Marie, in the beach region just south of Quebec City. So these eight are Giselle, Solange, Chantal, Chantel, I don't know, Francine, Nicole, Gabrielle, Jacques, and Claude. And when they move here to just south of Quebec City, they open up what they call a healthy living clinic. And it's an alternative medicine venue for organic foods. They use holistic literature and they say that they can help cure any ailment. Rock has them all wear the same uniform. They were these ankle length pullover tunics. Green for women and beige for men. And then Rock had his own color, which was dark brown. And through this shop, the group made money and they attracted followers. Many patrons of the store would like volunteer 
either money or their time. And one follower, Leo Mark Foucher, even sold everything he had in his name to fund the clinic and move in with the group along with his wife and his kid. Jacques Giguerre and Maurice Greiner, who I talked about in the beginning, they had joined the group with their baby. They also did the same. They sold everything in their name and they end up moving in with the group. So now on top of those eight people, he has like two little families that are also involved. Now, Mary Griner, she was always the one who kind of like pushed back against this whole thing. I think her husband wanted to be a part of it a lot more. She never liked Rock. She never, she's the one person who does not become his wife. She just like wanted nothing to do with it. But then like she does some weird things towards the end too that I'm like, why were you there? If you hated it from the beginning, like why are you going through this? You'll see what I'm talking about when I get there. But from the beginning, she really wasn't into it. Now, as more people join Giselle, she continues being jealous and, of course, feared losing Rock to these other women. So she decides that she is going to propose to him herself, which I mean, for back then, I would assume that's like kind of crazy, like unheard of. Yeah. I don't know about Canada, but I don't hear of a lot of women in 1977 proposing to their you know, man. (laughs) So he doesn't say yes right away. Of course, he tells her he has to think about it and it takes him a week to eventually say yes. So they were married on January 8th, 1978 at an Adventist church in Montreal. So the whole group was there at the wedding, not families or anything. I think it was pretty small, just the group, some of the church members. And then afterwards, they all get in a van together and they start the five-hour ride home. But instead of hanging out with his wife, Rock was flirting with all the other girls on the way home and Giselle laid on a mattress in the back crying. And she says this is when she realized that maybe he just married her to appease the actual leaders in the Adventist church and show that like he was getting married to this one woman. Oh yeah. But regardless of her feeling like he wasn't so into her, she stays with him. So Pierre Zita, which is the leader of the Adventist church, he actually tried to approach some of the girl's parents and he tried to convince Giselle himself to leave Rock because he was not a good guy to her. But Rock already had this really deep connection with his followers. Some of the families went as far as calling the police to check out their daughters and make sure that they were safe because they hadn't heard from their kids. I think anytime someone gets involved with a cult, it's like alarming to the family. Because they try to isolate them. Yeah. And then, I mean, usually when you see these cults that really are dangerous, it's like they do have a reason to be worried. The isolating, like you said, it's kind of makes me think like even when someone's in a relationship, a one-on-one relationship, and they're being isolated, like it's alarming. Let alone when it's like, why are you isolating from us just because of this kind of friend group that you have? So Rock told the followers that he would be the group's contact to the outside world. 
they didn't need to talk to anybody. So when police came to speak with people, they refused to talk. Local businessmen also reported Rock to the police for outstanding bills, but the police still couldn't do anything about it. So then we come to March of 1978, and there is a girl named Geraldine Gang Auclair who was admitted to the Healthy Living Clinic, which is weird because this Healthy Living Clinic is not a hospital. She had actually been undergoing treatment undergoing treatment for leukemia in Quebec City at an actual hospital, but her husband became involved with Rock and this little group. So the husband allows Rock to visit Geraldine there in the hospital, and Rock ends up getting into this big disagreement with the doctors about Geraldine's treatment, telling the doctors that he knows better and like what they're doing is not helping her. Oh my gosh. Literally so dumb. That is annoying. (laughs) So annoying. Just when people like think they know more. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, not all doctors are perfect. We've got Dr. Death out there. That's scary. But like most of them, I think when you go to school for like 16 years, you are hoping to do the best for your patients. (laughs) And you are going to actually learn these things you know yeah it's annoying I'm sure you even deal with that on a small level every day just from yep just from working in a hospital so he ends up convincing Geraldine's husband to check her out of the hospital and bring her to the healthy living clinic instead And when Geraldine's admitted to the Healthy Living Clinic, her husband and Rock refused to allow her father to visit her. Is the Healthy Living Clinic just a separate, it's not part of the cult? No, it is. They moved and they started the Healthy Living Clinic when they moved south of Quebec. Oh. So that's what they're doing. They're running this Healthy Living Clinic. But that it's really their it's cult. just ran by them oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah this is literally just rock store for holistic living and they say they can cure any ailment clearly since he is telling this woman's husband to check her out of the hospital and check her into the healthy living clinic for cancer for leukemia instead of staying at the hospital and his his treatment for her is grape juice and organic food oh geez (laughs) so actually sadly Geraldine dies in the clinic oh what a shock because yeah she was not being taken care of properly Rock told his followers that he had gone into her room and kissed her, and she actually awakened from death. But in the end, when God wants people, he takes them. (laughs) So he's like, look, she didn't survive here, even though I said I could cure any ailment. But the reason is because when God wants people to die, they die. It's like... Oh my gosh. Yeah. So... There are is another set of parents of a 19-year-old who had multiple scler- scl- 
how do you say this? Multiple sclerosis. 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 Yes. So the parents of a woman who has multiple sclerosis, her name's Gabrielle Nadeau. They place her under Rock's care as well. They had met him when he was hosting one of those anti-smoking workshops through the Seventh-day Adventist church. So they had met him. He must have told them all about his healthy living clinic and probably told them he could cure their multiple sclerosis daughter, which I don't know what that is specifically. I think it's like an autoimmune disease that like affects your like muscle uh, mobility. Yeah, so he says he can cure her. Now, in April, the next month of 1978, Rock is voted out of the Seventh-day Adventist Church on Pierre Zita's initiative. So Pierre had had enough of Rock. He was a little too unhinged going down his own path. And so the church, they vote him right out. But Rock would just continue with his own group. He had now married some of his followers together, even though he lacked authority to perform any marriages. So they weren't legally married, but he claims to have married these people and he chose the partners. The women, they had not expressed any interest in marrying the men they were paired with, but they had to do it because Rock told them to. So Solange Boylard was paired with Claude Olette. And Jacques Fissette was paired with Nicole Rule. Solange invited her parents to their wedding. And I guess her parents had spoken with their own priest about it. And their priest had advised them, like, maybe go show up to her wedding just to show her you still love her. Because her parents were not okay with her being a part of this group or her having this marriage that was set up by Rock. But they wanted to support her and like let her know, like, we're here for you. You can come home at any time, you know. Mm -hmm. So they attend the ceremony. And of course, it is way out there and not what they expected. Rock's speech stressed that the woman's role is of subservience to a man. And I guess Solange's family was crying and it was not because they were happy. They were like deeply upset she was going through with this. And I guess Rock just went on and on and on about the woman obeying the man, which also if I went to my daughter's wedding and that was going on, I'd probably be like, we're actually leaving. Yeah. And I'm taking my daughter with me. She will not just be here to serve this man. Mm hmm. You know, like, sure, a little like nicely, like do nice things for your partner, but (laughs) Rock was on another level with it. So June of 1978 comes and the Healthy Living Clinic had outstanding debts and there were constant police surveillance since Geraldine had literally died in the clinic. So the decision was made to move. They went town to town until July of 1978 when the group found themselves in the woods of the Gasp Peninsula. Here is where Rock told the group that the world was going to end on February 17th, 1979. So in a little less than a year from this point. He says that the world will end in a storm that produced boulder-sized hail and produced earthquakes and severe lightning. 
So this commune would become God's chosen, but only if they made a righteous life for themselves in these Appalachian foothills. Rock, of course, would be their guide. So again, it's like typical cult behavior. Like, hey, the world's ending and you're only going to be the chosen ones if you're with us, with this group. Yeah. And so on July 9th, 1978, they go into the village of St. Joe's. I'm probably saying that super wrong, but they end up setting up camp near this village. Two days in, they find a small body of water called La Sac, which Rock named Eternal Mountain. And this was their new home. They made this little tent town while they built a cabin that they would all live in. They were working 17 hours a day and Rock ordered them new uniforms. Well, probably didn't order them new uniforms. Rock got them new uniforms since the tunics were being tripped on. And now they had dark blue wraparound short shrifts. Rock rationed the food, and if anyone complained about being hungry, of course, he would punish them with restricting that food. Rock's stomach pains and his ulcers, you know, that he talked, that he said he had removed and caused him all these problems, he claimed to the group that they prevented him from helping do any of the hard labor. So, of course, he is not helping build the cabin. He is not working on the cabin. He's just chilling. That figures. Yeah. It's like, of course. So, he told the group he had a more important spiritual role. He told his followers that everyone in the outside world, especially their families, were active oppressors of the righteous who were doomed to lie dead for all eternity. So their families were doomed to lie dead forever. (laughs) Okay. Of course. It's just like, I don't know. I think this was cult time. Like this happened. It mentions it in a minute. Right around the time. Why can't I think of it on the top of my head? Um, When that guy had everybody take that poison and they all died. Jonestown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this happened right around then. So I don't know if cults were super talked about. It's kind kind of feels like in the cult era when a lot of them were able to get away with stuff before everyone realized like this gets dangerous at a certain point. Yeah. So Yolande Gwinnenbert, who had joined with her friend Gabrielle Laval, she they had joined when they were at that resort at Lake Rosé. She decided to leave the group and head back to France. She wasn't into this hard labor and it was getting weird. So she claimed to the family that her passport had expired. So she had to leave, which was Mm -hmm. not true, but she wanted out. Yes, very smart. And then Leo Mark Foucher and his wife and child who had all joined, they sold all their possessions to join Rock. He also loaded his family into a wagon and headed back for civilization. He was done with this. And Rock didn't try to stop them, but he did tell the group that Leo Mark Foucher was evil in the eyes of God. So 
those people leave. And then the cabin is done in September of that year, 1978. The floor is made of wooden rounds with a dug well in the center. And then the ceiling is made of bark and logs that had like moss all over them. And then they quartered off rooms with bed sheets hung as curtains. And this would be their home, Rock said, until God started his thousand year reign on earth. Rock would organize like little skits and plays and songs here. And then he also gave all his members new names from the Old Testament. He became Moise or Moses. As we would say in English, Moses, I don't know exactly the pronunciation in French, but it was like M-O-I-S-E. So now he's calling himself Moses. And he was also their pappy. And his wife, Giselle, was their mammy. Mammy? (laughs) So they were Pappy and Mammy. And he was also Moses. So it's like Roche, Rock, Moses, and Pappy. He's all of these people. And then, of course, because there's, you know, quite a few people in this group, they would just combine their welfare checks. And this is how they lived. In October of that year, 1978, Mammy Giselle was six months pregnant, and she said that the women who had not been married were lonely. Maybe she's suggesting that more men should come into the group, but he doesn't take it that way. So around this time, Nicole Rule, who had been married to Jacques Fissette, confided that she and Rock, aka Moses, had sex while everyone else had been working. So he was already at this time sleeping with all the other girls. But I think this is one of the first times that it gets back to Giselle. So she's technically married to Jacques Fassette, but really like not legally because Rock just married them. And now Rock's also having sex with Nicole. So Giselle is pissed off rightfully and she flees from the cabin And Rock chases her down and ends up strangling her until she cowers and agrees to return to the compound without a fight. Now, Rock, a.k.a. Moses, declares all marriages besides his and Giselle's void. So he's like, you know what? I was sleeping with Jacques Fassette's wife, but those marriages are void anyway. So break up with your people. Oh, my gosh. Did he say why? Just because, just they were void now that they're all living here on the commune. Oh, jeez. And now, of course, he starts marrying more women to himself, include, including Gabrielle Nadeau, who is the now 20-year-old multiple sclerosis patient whose parents admitted her to the Healthy Living Clinic. Oh, So geez. she didn't even, I don't think, want to be there. Her parents admitted her to this clinic, and now she's married to this dude. Ew. Of course, Rock had sex with his multiple wives, and Solange was the most resistant one. Eventually, she would succumb to his wishes, and the only woman who is one of his followers that he doesn't end up sleeping with is Maurice Greiner. Again, that's the same girl I said never wanted to be there, married to the other Jacques. Oh, yeah. Around this time, Rock is also following the news of the Jonestown Massacre, which occurred on November 18th, 1978. 
So the same year they moved to this commune is when that Jonestown massacre happens. And Rock claims he had a vision of the event a year earlier. But now he says he's worried because doomsday cults just became a concern with the public. Families of Rock's followers now resume their attempts to get into the group to send police because obviously after Jonestown, probably anyone who had a child in any cult was like, okay, we actually got to get them out of this. Yeah. So the police had visited the group, but no one will talk to them and they really want to take Rock into custody, but they don't have any evidence to prove he was actually dangerous to his followers. Rock even willingly underwent a psychological evaluation, and he told police that he was not the leader of the group. It was just a democracy. They all lived in peace and without promiscuity. So the police released him with no evidence. Now, Rock, he prostituted Gabrielle to a local grocer. I don't I don't know if this is Gabrielle Laval or Gabrielle Nadeau. Nadeau is the one with multiple sclerosis. Mm. And then the other Gabrielle is just a follower. So he had prostituted one of them to a local grocer to trade for milk, meat, and cheese. And he starts kind of spiraling into a darker place. He starts drinking again after being two years sober and he would deliver these super long drunk sermons where he just went on and on. And if anyone would fall asleep, he would come and smack their head with a four inch thick club. He's like, you, yeah, he's like, you do. He is a mean drunk as you can, and just a bad person in general. But I think it really came out when he drank. So when Maurice Greiner, who was pregnant, she was pregnant with her own husband. Again, she's the one who never ends up with Rock. She had eaten two more pancakes than Rock had allowed her to. He ends up punching her in the side and he breaks two of her ribs. Thankfully, her baby is okay after Uh. this, but she had to go with two broken ribs. His favorite punishment at this time was to force someone to strip naked and stand in the snow for a few hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I would hate that, but it gets so much worse. Like, this is gentle compared to what ends up happening. And none of his followers fight back, which already shows that he has like a level of control over them. Oh, yeah. So Jacques Fassette ends up leaving the group. This is who had been married by Rock to Nicole, the one who told Giselle she was sleeping with Rock Yeah, before he ends up marrying them all. So he ends up being like, I'm out of here. I'm done. And he goes. And Rock tells the others that Jacques had been taken by the devil. Now, there is a letter on Murderpedia.org that was written by Francine Laflamme. Again, not the Francine that he married and had two sons with in the beginning. This is Francine, a follower. And it just shows, again, some of the control that he has. It says, Hello, Pappy. 
I am writing about what you said on the subject of nutrition. It is very true that I nibble, a damnable fault which I will never again repeat. The thought of ingesting such a large quantity of food in so little time discourages me, even if I work outside the entire day without eating. I ask that you forgive me. If it is stilling, I did not realize it. It is this fault which causes my plumpness. I do not want to be a fat and plump servant. (laughs) I'm laughing. It's sad. But it's like, I just can't believe she thought that about herself. That's so sad that he made her think that. That is. So continuing on, she says, that is too ugly next to the man that you are. I don't know what to think about everything and the meaning of my actions. I only know that I will not repeat them and I don't speak lightly. I wish to be a true servant to you, my master, alert, vigorous, with a clear and lively spirit and well-balanced to serve you every moment of my life. I have a long way to go. Thank you, Pappy. I love you. Hugua. Which again, he gave them all different names. So Hugua is Francine. That is just sad. I know. I do not want to be a fat and plump servant. Seriously, girl, leave. You will be much happier. Yeah. And you will not think of yourself as fat and plump or a servant. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That letter shocked me. I'm like, yeah, I would never survive. Yeah. So then I read in a, um, one of the sources said Hoogla, so aka Francine, was one of the people who were still following him at, you know, back after he got arrested. Boo. So, but as you can see from this letter, like she's clearly, I don't know what level of control how someone gets that level of control over someone, but she's clearly under the spell. So Maurice Griner, she wanted to leave. She had never liked being there. And so her husband, Jacques Giguere, he was told by Rock that he needed to cut her toe off with an axe as punishment. Oh, geez. Yeah. Jacques's like, I don't really know about that. Not loving this idea. But Rock taunts him saying, don't you have any balls? He's calling him a bunch of gay slurs. And he's saying that if he wants to be a man, he needs to teach his woman a lesson. So Jacques, he cries. And then Rock threatens to cut off all of Maurice's toes if Jacques does not cut off the one toe. Oh my gosh. Jacques ultimately cuts off his wife's toe. (laughs) And... (laughs) Yeah, he listens. Oh, my gosh. Which, like, okay, he did threaten to cut off all of her toes. But this was, like, his first step in becoming Rock's enforcer. Because he does ultimately help with a lot of things Rock does. Then the next year, February 17th comes around. And the world's supposed to end, right? February 17th, 1979. It's all supposed to come to an end, but no second coming comes, of course. It was like the same 
when Lori Daybell and Chad Daybell were in prison. What was it? Like in July of 2020, the world was going to end. Yeah. And what was so frustrating to me before that date passed was that was the same year as COVID. It was like the pandemic. Everyone was going crazy. It was like wild out there. And I was like, these people probably are actually convincing themselves. Like, I think we might be right. The world is ending (laughs) this year. So I was so happy when the date they had had come and gone. Yeah. And then they looked stupid. Didn't end. And you're in prison. I wish sentenced to death, but no. Maybe Chad. One sentence to life, one left to go. But Rock, he has an explanation for this, of course, why it didn't end. He told his followers that God's timing is just different than ours here on earth. So for it will mm. end on God's February 17th, 1979. But the earth's February 17th, 1979, that's different than God's. <laughs> <laughs> so they believe him. And around this time, Chantel Labrie's parents, they actually obtain a court order for a round of psychiatric tests for their daughter. Two police come to the compound to collect Chantal, but Rock refuses them. I don't know how he's able to, but like they have a court order for her to come have these psychiatric tests done, but Rock tells them they're not allowed to come, they're not allowed on his property, and they leave. Huh. That is weird. It is weird. And then around this time, Quebec City's Le Soleil published a story titled, They Are Happy and Free to Leave if They Wish. This included an interview with Jacques Fissette, who had left the group, where he told this the media that the group was democratically ran. So now the media is like vying for this group because the police already have their eye on this group. The families do. And now the media is kind of pushing back and some people do try to defend this group over the next few years saying they're being like wrongfully targeted just because they're living differently, saying that they like are being targeted because they speak French when most people there speak English. And so, huh? Yeah. It, it's weird that they end up getting like a little defended until the end. And you can literally not defend them in the end. Oh, geez. So at some point, there are 10 police officers who do descend on the camp via helicopter and they arrest Rock for obstruction of justice. He also goes through a psychological evaluation after his arrest. And he told doctors that he saved these people from drugs and sinful lives. Doctors actually believed he was being targeted again for living that different lifestyle. Yeah. So he must be a very convincing talker. Yeah. They say even in prison that like the guards like regard him as like charismatic. Oh, geez. Yeah. So he's just one of those people who can basically convince you of things, you know, one of those manipulators. 
they end up releasing him from the hospital and they deem him fit to stand trial for that obstruction of justice. And for that charge, he was given given a one-year suspended sentence. So suspended, meaning he does not have to serve it unless he messed up again in that year. And they must have arrested him for that obstruction of justice because he wouldn't let them fulfill that warrant for Chantal to come do those psychiatric evaluations, is what I'm assuming. Mm. While he was gone doing this trial and doing all this stuff Giselle aka Mammy watched over the group while he was gone during this time family members of the other cult members they come to the commune they try to convince their loved ones to leave but the members refuse and the family members were told they are not welcome so in November of 1980 a man named Guy Veer joins the group He is the first new member since the Healthy Living Clinic closed and they moved to this commune. And he had heard about Rock on television and decided he would go find the group up in the hills. He also had been seen for depression in the same hospital that Rock was cleared. So I think he like trusted that the hospital said he, this Rock guy was a good guy. Oh, geez. Why Why would the doctors believe him? I know. <laughs> it's always so shocking they in hindsight. They didn't have the full story, I guess. It's like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Yeah. Like you could save people. You know, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. So this guy, he, and his name's actually Guy. Guy, he was given an examination by Gabrielle and he was allowed to stay. But he was not allowed to stay in the commune. He was only allowed to stay in a storage shed where he was given a small wood stove, some beer, and one meal a day. So at this time when Guy joins, there are three non-Terio children. So three children that Rock did not father. This is Samuel Giger, Miriam Giger, and Simon Olette. Simon is the son of Solange and Claude during their little marriage before Rock deemed it void. Oh, yeah. And then Samuel and Miriam are Jacques and Maurice, Maurice's children because they joined before. Yeah. So Guy Veer, he would babysit these three children, but he wasn't allowed to babysit Rock's other children at the time. He was only able to babysit the ones that Rock didn't care about. He treated these three children like much worse than he, well, treated his own children. So Rock, at this time, he also had three really young children because all those three, Samuel, Miriam, Simon, they're like around two to five years old. Yeah. And then Rock, he has, you know, his older boys that he had with his first wife, They're not here at the compound right at this moment, but they will be. And then um, he also has a young child with Giselle, one with Solange, and one with Nicole. And then March 23rd of 1980, Rock actually organizes a party to celebrate his sons from his marriage with Francine Greiner coming to live with him on the commune. 
I have no idea why Francine Greiner was sending her two sons, Roche Jr. and Francois, to go live with him. They were 12 and 10 at this time. Oh, that is crazy. I know. After like most of their life staying with their mom, they end up going to live with their dad. And that's probably, unfortunately, one of the worst decisions that could have been made for them. But they go. Now, Guy Veer was not invited to the party and he needed to watch the outsider children, the ones that were not rocks. Now, according to court records based on testimony by Rock, Guy, and other cult members, Samuel Giger, age two, was crying that night and keeping Guy Veer awake. Guy lost his temper and started screaming at Samuel. He then picked the little boy up by his throat and punched him in the face about five times. The next day, Rock finds out what happened and places Samuel with Gabrielle, this is Gabrielle Lavelle, who is the nurse for the group. Apparently, that next day, Samuel's face and penis were swollen, so Rock takes a pair of scissors, sterilizes them in alcohol, and circumcises Samuel, two years old, in an effort to permit urine to flow. But the next morning, Samuel is found dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this little two-year-old baby. And according, there's two different stories to this. That is the story that the court accepts based on testimony But according to Savage Messiah by Paul Collier and Ross Laver, Giselle, the OG wife, mommy, mammy, tells a different story. She says that Samuel's face was bruised on the morning of March 24th, the day after the party, but that there was nothing else wrong with him. Like his face was bruised, but his penis was not swollen. Mm. However, she says, Rock decided that the little boy needed to be circumcised. She says he used 94% ethanol solution to do more than just sterilize the razor. He also poured some of that into a rubber bulb that he put into Samuel's mouth for use as an anesthetic. So he gave this two-year-old baby 94% ethanol solution to drink. Mm. And they say maybe that caused his death via alcohol poisoning. Upon hearing about her baby's death, it's reported that Maurice Greiner just goes back to work. Which was shocking to me because, again, she's the one who never wanted to be here. And didn't, like, didn't like Rock. She, like, goes back to work in the compound? Yeah. Like, she just, like, goes about her day. Okay. And that night at dinner, Rock says they should burn the baby's remains. Maurice and Jacques agree. Then Claude Olette completes this task of burning little Samuel's body. Jeez. So basically, Rock murdered this child, which he's never, like, charged for this. This is never one of the things he's charged for. It's weird. Oh, could they not prove it was him? Well, he's not charged for the murder. I, he ends up getting in trouble. But 
six six months go by with no incident, but in September, Rock, aka Moses, is drunk and becomes angry with Guy Veer. He says Guy needs to stand trial for his crime in March, punch like because he punched the baby. Yeah. So now he's like basically blaming, I think, the death on Guy Veer, even though he's the one who did this like circumcision operation on the baby. So Rock appoints Jacques Giguere, the baby's dad, as the judge. He pre- uh, he has Mammy Giselle as the prosecutor and Claude Olette as the defense lawyer. So Claude, the one who burned the baby's body, is the defense lawyer. Again, none of these, like, none of these people are lawyers or anything. Rock is just assigning them these positions for this trial held inside the compound. Oh, my. Now, Gabrielle Laval, who is, acts as the nurse, she is acting as the coroner for the trial. And then Rock's other six wives were the jury. So the trial was one hour and the verdict was unanimous, not guilty by the reason of insanity. So they say that Guy Veer is not guilty of punching the baby because he was insane because they all think he had like mental problems. I think because he was held in the hospital for depression or maybe he was a bit off. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, Rock was unhappy with the outcome, so a couple hours later, he tells Jacques that they should castrate Guy. So now a jury of 10 votes on this decision, including 12-year-old Rock Jr. So his 12-year-old son is also voting if they should castrate this man, and only three people vote against this new decision, Jacques, Maurice, and Giselle. So the parents of the baby and Rock's OG wife all vote that they should not castrate Guy, but the other people do vote that they should. And Rock tells Guy it would cure his headaches as well as his excessive masturbation, which was causing him respiratory difficulties. So if he cuts his nuts off, he will no longer have headaches. Okay. <laughs> That's the it's weirdest so thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so he tells Guy that at this point, he's a slave to the group. But if he does allow them to castrate him, he would become a eunuch. And that would be a higher level than where he is at now. Rock then convinces Guy to sign a letter of consent, which Guy does sign. He does it. And then he lays on the kitchen table, willingly, kind of, convinced. Gabrielle grabs the medical equipment and they start to operate using a razor blade, tweezers, ethanol, and an elastic band. Gabrielle then gave Guy a new saltwater compress every 20 minutes as he bled for the next week. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. They're at the house. They just uh, cut off his balls. How would people even dare to do that? <laughs> I don't know. First, like, how did you just lay on the table willingly? Like, how does this guy have this much control over you that you're like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. 
Were they sca scaring him too that like they had him for murder of that kid? Maybe. But like just totally manipulated him into doing this. So afterwards, instead of seemingly moving to a higher level than a slave, Guy Veer becomes Rock's new target for abuse. Rock would beat him and instruct other members to pierce Guy's chest with knives. And on November 5th, Guy Veer escapes the commune and tells villagers in the village of St. Jogues that a baby had died at the commune after being kicked by a horse. So he makes up this story like the baby died there, like it's weird there, but he doesn't tell the actual story. Mm -hmm. Probably because he punched the baby in the face the day before. Oh, geez. So, but if they burnt it, the baby. I know. Nobody would have known. Exactly. Which it's like, I don't love you for punching that baby. I also don't love that you got your balls cut but off. But you did get this your punishment. Really you got your balls taken off. <laughs> yeah. Like... And did he really or was he like was he told to say he punched the baby? True. Like is is that a story they all came up with? Yeah. For why he circumcised him the next day. Like did Guy Veer even punch the baby or was that a whole story made up to be like, oh, he punched the baby and then the penis was swollen. So I circumcised it. So I don't even know what Guy is guilty of, but it's all very conflicting. So the police, after this, they raid the compound and they do arrest Rock, Maurice, and Jacques. And with this, they also put seven children into the foster system. The baby's remains were found and the commune members blamed Guy Veer for beating the child. The coroner determined that the group was criminally responsible. So the police charged Rock, Jacques, Maurice, Gabrielle Laval, and Guy Veer with criminal negligence causing bo bodily harm to Samuel. Claude was charged with obstruction of justice for burning the body. Jacques and Maurice were also charged with neglect towards their five-year-old daughter. Claude and Solange were also charged with neglect for their son, Simon, who was three at the time of the arrests. Those were the three children being watched by Guy Veer that night. Rock and Gabrielle also were charged with bodily harm with intent to mutilate Guy Veer. All of them pled not guilty. Jacques, Maurice, Claude, Solange, and Guy were all released on bail under the condition that they return that they do not return to the commune like before their trial. And then Rock and Gabrielle were denied bail as they were deemed a danger to society. So the trial takes nine months to get to, and the commune members move to the town of New Carlisle. Everyone is found guilty on all charges. Maurice and Solange receive three years of probation. Jacques and Claude receive six months in prison and three years of probation. Guy Veer is sentenced, but that is later acquitted for mental incompetence, and he is sent to a hospital instead. Gabrielle is sentenced to nine months in jail and three years probation, and Rock is sentenced to two years 
in jail and three years probation on each charge to be served concurrently. He is transferred to the Orsainville Detention Center in Quebec City. So the cult members, they move to four different apartments in Quebec City and police burn their cabin to the ground and bulldoze the remaining ashes. Rock wrote a book, La Affaire Moise, which I think is, I don't know the first word, but the second is his Moses name. So it's about him. And it's actually published while he is in jail in November of 1983. He is not released until February of 1984, which I'm like, don't let people in prison publish books. It bugs me so bad. I know. Like, don't let them gain money. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, even if they don't make money, don't even let them put their words out here into the world. Like, their words don't need to be out here. Okay, this episode ended up being way longer than I anticipated. So instead of giving you a two-hour episode, I am going to split this up into two parts. I am going to have part two uploaded and ready to listen to at the same time that part one is uploaded, but on our Patreon. Patreon is like our little fan club where you can pay a little money just to support the show to gain access to extra episodes. If you're on our Patreon, you know I have sucked big time at actually um, being good at this, but I am getting back into it starting right now. And if you are on our Patreon, you shouldn't have been charged for any of the past few months. But if you were, please let me know and I will make sure you were refunded for that. Because like I said, if you're on there, you know I have not been the greatest at getting my episodes out. I think this year has been one of my hardest years in my personal life. So we're just kind of getting back to ourselves now. If you are not a Patreon member, you can listen to part two in a few days when it releases on all other platforms. And part two is one you will want to come back for. This is one of the most horrific and outrageous cults I have ever heard of. And here in part one, we have barely grazed the surface of what went down. It is crazy. It is something I can't even wrap my mind around. So I'll see you for part two. Thanks for listening. I research, write, host, and edit this show. My co-host is Alicia Jenkins. All our music was created by Jaden Schultz, who you can find on Instagram at InPajamasMusic. And our palette cleansers are given by Charlie Waters. Find us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Hi, I'm Charlie Waters. Today I'm going to be giving you a palate cleanser about strawberries. Did you know a strawberry is not a berry at all? It's actually called a false fruit. They are derived from a single flower with more than one ovary. This makes them a multiple fruit. They are many tiny individual fruits embedded in a fleshy skin. Bye, have a great day. For our organization today, I encourage you all to visit ccaa.org. This is the Canadian Child Abuse Association. They support children, teens, and parents. On their website, you can learn more about their programs. You can view their curriculum. You can view their online court prep. And you can help a child. 
The Canadian Child Abuse Association was formed in 1985 in response to a growing need for a coordinated professional approach to child abuse investigations.